Hello and welcome back to A Slice of Dice. In this fireside chat, I get to speak to Kimberly, somebody with many feathers in their cap, as well as being a nerd, of course. She's written fantasy fiction, created content for sourcebooks for different kinds of TTRPGs, and she's also quite the craftsman, not to mention the creator of Grumpful Cake, something which I'm assured is much tastier than it sounds. First of all, welcome uh, to uh, to our um, to our fireside chat. Although there are no fires, but there is plenty of chat. Um, and apologies, Kimberly. That uh, well, apologies on behalf of the virus or, or or whatever it is that is causing your voice to be croaky today. <clears throat> but thank you for coming on nonetheless yes. and persevering. Yes, it'll be atmospheric. It will be like your your guest hag of the day. <laughs> tonight in uh, in a slice of dice we talked yeah. to a hag um <laughs> mm -hmm. um so i asked you and you've already shown me a little bit but i'm now now's the time to to delve deeper into okay. this slice that you've brought along to uh to our chat today yes. so so what is it what have you got okay well there's what it really is and then what it represents okay, okay. so technically it is a slice of pistachio cake, Ooh. but it's it. Well, it's really lovely, actually. Uh, but for me, what this is is grumpful. And uh, what this started from actually is uh, in in one of the campaigns I play, uh, the same world that you play in. Actually, mm. I play Goliath, and her name's Mafia. And for some reason, she cooks. Don't really know why just sort of started out as role play things. She didn't have cook's utensils to start with or whatever, but she started making recipes that her her grandmother Goliath had taught her, you know, up in the mountains. And so she has this cake recipe called Grumpful and it's green and it's sort of crunchy. Um, probably has some twigs and sticks and things in it. Who knows? I don't think she's actually the best cook in the world, but she did successfully help save her shadow fae guardian boyfriend from the shadow court because she brought along some grumpful and she gave it to the queen um and i rolled really well on the on the cooking check for that one so so grumpful is my favorite slice <laughs> there is so much to unpack in, in that uh with the uh, shadow fae boyfriend <laughs> saved by cake uh, as opposed to being assaulted yes. by cake, as uh, as seems to be um, one of the things mentioned in mm. current affairs at the moment, which uh, I don't want to go any any more into at the moment. With your okay, first of all, big win for me, pistachio cake, um, because green mm. favorite color, pistachio, lovely flavor, mm -hmm. probably best flavor of ice cream in my opinion. But um, what? Um, so you've you've given the backstory as to your uh, with Nathia the Goliath and that's that's her grumpful cake, but for you, uh, Kimberly's pistachio cake. Uh, what made you choose that, and how? Oh, no, when did you did you make that or buy it or? No, I didn't make it. There's actually a cafe we go to almost every day, um, and they make a pistachio latte, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Uh huh. But they also have the pistachio cake. Um, they do like almond cake and things too, but it's it's really good. It's sort of like a Middle Eastern Syrian place, and so they have really lovely cakes. So it is actually one of my favorite cakes as well. I just like cake in general. Too. So you gotta to have it. your cake. <laughs> I just like cake. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I just like cake. Um, yes, I do like cake. But pistachio cake is really good. So if you ever actually do come to Coventry and, and visit us, you should have some of the pistachio, pistachio cake. No, thank you but very much. But it does much. look like Grumful because, look, there's like, there's like crunchy Yeah, that kind of brittly it. top to it, so, yeah. you know. No, yeah, I, I, it's, really it's, nice. it's intriguing because I've never was... come across it before. I've never come across pistachio cake before. But I suppose it makes sense. You've got pecan oh. cake. You've got, um, as you say, yeah, um, okay. al- almond cake. So, you know, these are, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably not too yeah. far a stretch. Oh, and I suppose like baklava or something as well, right? Pistachio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. You should try it. And it's green. And it is green. <laughs> There's no getting to, away from that. I used to cook dinner for my little sister a lot when I was um, younger. And one of the ways I got her to eat was to make food just in really odd colors. So I have, I do have a thing kind of for odd colored food. <laughs> well, I mean, it's nice to be unique, isn't it? Uh, maybe that uh, is going to tie in a bit with um, your uh, characters and whatnot as well. One of the big things uh, about uh, talking to you and whilst I was so excited to to do this kind of, I say interview, but that feels far too formal. This is, you know, I think it's much more an informal kind of chat. Um, but why I was in, it really keen to talk to you, uh, one, because we haven't actually spoken all that much. We've, As we said, we've been passing ships, but um, so we know a lot of the same people. We haven't actually interacted so much ourselves, just, just how the dice have, have landed, really. But... Um, but you, as well as being, you know, an avid um, gamer and, uh, and well, nerd, in quotation marks. And that's okay, because I'm in, in that category, too. Um, that was definitely not a slur. Um, but you're also a TTRPG creator as well, uh, um, the first of which I, I've mm-hmm. had the opportunity to, to talk to. So, um, yeah, that, this is definitely something that I, I, I look forward to, to hearing more and learning more about. Um, and I guess this kind of ties in with um, where I kind of like to start proper um, in mm-hmm. this uh, almost a chronological order, really, of uh, of your experiences, your journey, if you like, through TTRPGs. And that was um, how did you first get into the hobby? What, what, what was your first experience? Uh well, it's going to sound odd anyway, but um, the first two books that I wrote were actually for Wizards of the Coast. They uh-huh. weren't D and D books, though. Uh, those two, they briefly ventured into publishing um, young adult fiction, and this was, oh gosh, uh, that book came out in two thousand eight, so it's been a while. But so I wrote those two books for them, and uh, it was called. Uh, the first one was called "Sucks to Be Me," and it was actually about a girl that was a had to decide whether she was going to be a vampire or not. My husband calls it a vampire bat mitzvah story basically uh, <laughs> and it's it's funny it's, it's a silly story so at any rate i had written those two books for them and at the time they were still it was before they had some big changes because of hasbro and things and they asked me if i was interested in writing a young adult novel featuring D, but not set in the D world mm-hmm. and i'd always wanted to play i just I just, for some reason, never had. I have no idea why, because it's, like, definitely a me thing. Um, I'd known people that played when I was in high school, though back then it was before there were any additions. It was just D&D. So they asked me, and I was like, okay, you know, well, let me do some research, um, make sure it's something I can write about, 
And so I started attending the meetups in London, which is where I met Simon and um, a bunch of other people. So my very first character was in fourth edition and it was a warlord. Um, she didn't last very long because that game got derailed very quickly. There was somebody in it that was very argumentative, let's say, and the group just sort of fell apart. But I'd met Simon and I started playing in another campaign with him and um, the book did fall through with Wizards because that was after they basically stopped publishing anything that wasn't directly D&D right. related. So it was all back to Forgotten Realms stuff. So a, a bunch of books got cancelled and, and mine was one of them. Um, but it started me off on a hobby that I've kept up with since then. And that campaign that I started with Simon right after that was in fourth edition. And we played that for five or six years and went from, you know, level nothing ranger all the way up. She became a queen and she got to ride on a unicorn, and, you know. All wow. Of those things. So that's kind of how it started. You know, wrote an entirely different book for wizards got me into researching it and then when i research something i do sort of go all in so um that's where it began and then for actually writing um for campaigns came much later after i played for years and uh another editor that i knew from an editor that i had worked with at wizards um, but had since left contacted me out of the blue and asked if i was interested in writing something for a project they had going as um it was for outland entertainment and it was a tiny dungeon which is not dnd it's like another sort of simplified system they've done and they had this thing called hatchling edition which was specifically targeted for kids so the first thing i actually wrote was sort of a scenario or setting that was intended to help kids be able to get into dnd um for this sort of stripped down system that they got called tiny dungeon which is really adorable, actually, and it's a, and it is a good starting point. So it still has the dice and the characters and everything, but it's you know the the rule book is like this big versus monster huge big books. Um, so I did some more work for them, and then I kind of gradually started picking up more and more work. Um, the two biggest ones I've worked on are uh, Twisted Taverns uh, from Ghostfire Gaming uh, mm -hmm. or Eldermancy, and that one was. A huge amount of fun. I wrote three of those for them. And then I worked on their Sunken Isles one, which is another massive one that um, was really a joy to do because I got to create uh, new races and Ooh. they were really bizarre ones to create. So one of them I, I based on Mantis Shrimp. Don't know if you've ever read the oatmeal cartoon about Mantis Shrimp, but Mantis Shrimp are possibly the most evil creatures on the planet. And if they were huge, they would just take over everything. So it was really fun being able to base an entirely new race on them. There's bashers and then there's the ones with like spikes. So in, in the real life, yeah. you know, they're only like yay big. Uh, and they're beautiful, but there's one that has, they call them thumb splitters because literally they can split your thumb open or break an aquarium tank if you wind up with one in there. But uh, so I got to base a new race on them and there's a new race based on the lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun to do. Really leaning into, into the crustaceans then. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a it's it's set in sort of a lot of, lot of different islands. So it, oh, okay. There was a, a lot to work with there, which it, it makes more sense. They're not like lobsters running around on the on land exactly. But, I mean, that's pretty terrifying. Um, so it could work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it was uh, it was really fun to work and uh, do some work for them. And now I've um, embarked and I'm I work on my own because sort of a, a pet project for me, you have to understand that I have a number of interests in life. And one is folklore. Um, yes. You know, like my last series that I've written for uh, Scholastic, um, the last book came out last year, uh, is based a lot on Scottish folklore. And I'm just a folklore geek in general. Mm -hmm. I can talk to you about all the different iterations of Cinderella, including the Cinder Lads, because quite a lot of them were actually male. Uh -huh. all, all female so i can i can go on literally for days um so there's that and i love role-playing games and i love to get people who are new to the hobby into it so i've gone into schools and run you know games and things for for them in schools as well which is really just great fun uh and they're such little murder hobos though mostly the, the children <laughs> but it, it's kind of fun so but they're also just really they're not tied down to what they think it should be because sometimes you play a game with adults and they're very stuck on well this is you know must have a fighter and he must do this whereas mm. the, the last game i ran for a bunch of kids they asked if they could make up their own um races and classes and i was like go for it it's just a one shot you know do whatever the heck you want the one guy was a penguin another one was a he made up his whole race called uh, based on moths, you know. Okay. So if a bright light flashed, he had to fly off towards it. Um, so there's just lots of that, but it's like they're really, really free and inventive, which is great fun. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, that... yes, this project, <laughs> like going all over the place. Uh, so this <laughs> like project a moth is called Tales uh... for True. <laughs> yes, like a moth to a flame. And um, so it is based on English, Welsh, and Scottish folklore. Uh, so I speak specifically didn't include Ireland because I wanted to stick to one landmass. Okay. Um, and I don't really want to give away the big point, but there is actually like a point as people travel through the land. I'm using like real folklore, but it's not just the common ones that you know of, but like really obscure ones as well, which are great fun. Uh, I, I've, um, yeah, I think I have um, heard you mention this before. Um, and cause I, I, I think, cause you've been doing some play testing with it as well, haven't you? With the, uh, yes uh, with that setting um and uh yes it's definitely um ooh, intriguing and uh uh given i think your uh from what i understand your your style of um uh not only uh writing but approach to um to tabletop role-playing games um that uh, i feel like it well it's something i would be very interested in trying out for as much as anything else because I, I i sense that it wouldn't be too rules heavy um so you know in, and be a bit more sort of freedom to create not only for creativity but also just making it more accessible because it's not so much to learn to start with if, if you catch my drift um so that yeah mm -hmm. that, that's definitely piqued my interest um so so please do keep me informed uh for more playtesting stuff and i will make well i'll see if i if i can attend it because that'll be great um oh yeah i would like to do like a you know like have a day 
we could just probably do like an in-person thing and just have a nice little intro to it then because it's uh i will tell you that there's like evil gingerbread men and there are fairy godmothers but there's also you know things like raw head and bloody bones and so it's not all you know fruitcakes and gumdrops but it's so it's a little bit i I'm trying to make sure that it's fun for anybody, whether they go for like more silly fun campaigns and want to have like enchanted geese or the people who <laughs> really like to go heavy into the blood and gore. So there's, there's that too. I can't wait until we get to the part. I haven't written it yet, but there's, um, don't know if you've ever heard of the Nukalavi. It's can't a say that I have. terrifying horseman creature that has no skin and it's so it's like all muscle and bone and it's oh it's absolutely horrifying if you look it up and i i can't wait to write the adventures with with that so that's horsifying yes yes it's really <laughs> disgusting um excellent uh, so so yeah, really I looking for a broad sort of appeal also um you, when you said um you said enchanted geese that seemed like a very specific example i'm intrigued <laughs> tell me more Yes. Yeah, well, no, there's um, the sort of second location, actually, which is not one that I wrote, but a, a, another writer um, has written that bit for me. But it's sort of like an enchanted farm. So there's, you know, talking dogs and um, enchanted geese, and they don't lay all the typical eggs that you might expect. Uh -huh. um, I don't I don't want to say too much about it, but, but they are fun. Uh, one of them... Let's see, I could tell you that one. That one's easy enough. One of them's called Lead Weight, and she, she weighs lead. She she lays, um, like, lead eggs. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what people are going to do with lead eggs, but they're there. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think anything that I work on does tend to have humor. Um, not that people have to play it that way. Like, you could play it just very grimdark if you wanted to, but I've got the opportunity for humor in there mm. which I, I i don't know it's important to me um and i i think i bring that to any game that i play in too i can't be serious all serious all the time uh now yeah i'm just i'm just not that kind of person i mean i write books with like talking pink cats you know so it's <laughs> no i i i i understand completely <laughs> I, I mean humor very is very much i think a, a part of me as well um that i can't seem to escape from i think that uh not not saying that i am funny because i think when i try to be funny it doesn't necessarily work but um sometimes it just exude humor from you you know um to the point that i've tried doing serious characters in um ttrpg games um not, it's, it works when i'm running the game because you know, you've got a certain level of authority when you're yeah. the gm but when i'm a player and i'm trying to play mm -hmm. a serious character uh, I think actually the more serious I try and play it, the more amusing it is to other people around the table because yeah. you're almost like a foil for the comedy. And in equally, I can't resist if there's if there's a if there's a pun there or there's comic timing and there's you know something yeah. to get in there. I'm probably going to put something in there, whether it's meant to, whether the character is meant to be a comedic character or not. I think um, you know a bit of levity never hurt anyone, right? Unless you're oh, in the yeah. Feywild, no, probably. I, I can't. I, I can't help it actually it's it just happens it's uh it's there it's just organic <laughs> yeah but I, I think that makes for a fun game um i think if you're okay. in a campaign where it's it's all serious all the time it can actually be kind of stressful 
Mm. Um, you have to have moments, even if it's just something. Um, I mean, I, I still remember a campaign from a couple of years ago. We had, uh, you know, Philippe. Who I think yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah, know Philippe. Philippe yep. Yes. So he was playing a, a dwarf called Dunstan. And somehow we were in this thing, and I think we were not far off from the battle with like Orcus, you know. So intense, big, heavy things are going on, hmm. and we get surrounded by a ring of fire. And so his first thought on how to put it out was, you know, he's he's a dwarf, he drinks a lot of beer, so he had to try and pee it out, you know. <laughs> but it's it's moments like that. There's little bits of like humor. Oh, you know, I'll never forget that. I may not remember like the blow by blow of what happened when we actually battled Orcus, but I remember Dunstan trying to pee out the ring of fire. You know, I'll never forget that bit. If you had to pick one of like the most the premier memorable moment, what would that be? Oh gosh, that's really hard actually. Um because there's yeah. so many moments. I mean like every game, every session you have like something that will stand out to you. Um I wouldn't say it's like probably a battle though. Mm. Um because I think the moments that stick with me the most are the ones where we all really get into the characters and really get into the role play of it. Yep. Um, yep. Oh, well, I mean, besides Dunstan peeing on the fire, there's, uh, oh, I can think of one good battle moment. And it was in a game with my son, Max, who was playing um, an Asimar, so he could fly. Oh yeah. At some point, and he had this like amazing thing. We were in, uh, I think we were in the Feywild actually, and there's this weird tournament thing going on and all of this stuff. And he winds up flying and like looping the loop, and there's a dragon and like all kinds of crazy things. Um, so I mean that's definitely kind of one. I think it was just it, it had that like really good cinematic moment. Yeah. It. So that kind of stuck with me. Um. But most things, uh, there was a time when my one character got married and Simon tried to turn it into a little bit of a red wedding type of thing. So I do remember that one too. Oh, whoa. Yeah, well, this is, gosh, this is probably four or five years ago. Now. But yes, so there was like a big wedding and, but, you know, some madness broke out with some unexpected wedding guests and things. So it was a little bit of a red wedding, red red wedding situation but we all managed to survive and go on so it was good and uh, which character um was this who was getting married uh that would have been my ranger one so oh who then went on to be queen um, yes so she did survive um though she's named after actually a favorite character of mine from fiction um garth nix has those books about the abhorsen so he's got sabriel and lyriel and so she was one of them so i use that name a lot for characters so i'm really glad that she did actually survive the entire time actually i think she was the only i missed the first session where every other player died <laughs> and then so the second session is when i joined and then i managed to live through the entire campaign and since it went over five years that was really amazing just looking uh, over your shoulder a bit got, like carried away but yes yeah i know well he's killed me many other times so it's okay 
that's i mean hey it happens i, I mean there, there, there is one campaign uh, um which i played in um, which i played in with max actually it was the, the baromaze one um with simon mm-hmm. uh, running it and that is the only campaign that i've lost multiple characters uh, i i have i've yeah. had three characters die in that campaign t- two of which were through uh through combat situations i mean fighting the same monsters giant vultures actually for both of them Gi- giant vultures are deadly just 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 saying uh, when we were playing a low ish giant vultures against a low level party because they can just pick you up yeah, yeah. into the air and then drop you and, and they did that oh, with a cleric yeah, immediately and falling damage yeah falling damage so they um yeah yeah so i know how you feel about uh you know <laughs> those kind of campaigns you're like uh, how long are these characters gonna last mm-hmm. do i put much energy into the backstory and it's only like when you get a bit um when you've kind of got your your feet under the table as it were you get to a certain level and you go okay yeah. maybe i can you know flesh out this character a bit more in that kind of game yes, and i imagine now i can paint the mini yeah <laughs> exactly that's a great analogy um and i suppose more so in fourth edition because that was quite combat intensive as a as a as a um system than fifth edition is which seems a bit, a bit lighter i mean yes combat's obviously a big part of it but fourth edition seems very much geared just towards the combat side of things from what i've experienced yes yeah we we played for so long in that one that by the end um the character she i mean it was literally a packet uh because you, you know you had it it was probably about 20 pages printed out so it was hard to remember all of the things you could do and should do so that is one thing i do like about fifth edition and, and some of the other games that are a lot more stripped down is that mm. um you know, you, you might have four or five sheets once you're higher level, but that's so much more manageable than having like a, it, it's literally like a pamphlet mm. um, when you were in fourth edition. It's just hard. I, I can't remember all of that anymore anyway. <laughs> it's, uh, no, I, I feel you completely. What is your favorite character concept that you've yet been able to try at a table? Mm. Oh, that I've not tried. Uh, yes, that you've not tried, not yet been able to try at a table. That I've not tried. Um, weirdly, I've actually never... I don't really play magic users very often, huh. which is odd because I love magic. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I played a ranger for a really long time. I played a cleric, currently playing a goliath fighter. I've, I've been a rogue, but I tend to die then because I don't make a um <laughs> and think so i think i would actually i would really love to play an insane wild magic sorcerer because i love the whole idea of wild magic too where things just sort of happen sometimes um and you know the crazier the better not that i want to turn into a houseplant because i know that's one of the options on the wild <laughs> magic table but i i would like just the the random effects of, of things I, um i like that I, I, I so 100% agree. I've not played one. That's what I would want to do. So, so obviously, um, you started working with um, Wizards of the Coast um, with uh, writing for them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started you on this journey of TTRPGs uh, and you know, all these different games. But how, um, how have you found that... Uh, TTRPGs have influenced other aspects of your life? Um, well, a lot, I imagine. Um, 
I mean, even from like the social aspect, uh, you know, basically I have like my writer friends and I have my role playing game friends. Um, and so it impacts you so much in that way. And it's people that you can be kind of crazy and free with, mm. uh, you know, cause I, I don't have a normal job anyway. I, I did, you, you know, I worked for IBM and AT&T Labs and had a very, you know, desk job type of thing. Um, but I don't anymore. And so the way I meet people is often through playing games. Um, and even, well, and not just uh, role-playing games, but you know, just games in general. Mm. Um, you know, through Steam sometimes, or even playing a mobile game or something. So, so I think there's definitely the social aspect impacts your life in many ways. Um, oh, probably from a hoarding aspect, because I have more dice than like any one person should have. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there is that. Um, and the cabinet behind me is completely full of minifigures and terrain and things like that. So it's it kind of takes over a little bit. I have a 3D printer now, so I print things, I paint things, I build things. Uh. Um, so yeah, it's just it's sort of weaseled its way everywhere into life. I think. Some, it's like <laughs> some kind of parasite that's slowly taking over your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna like search the back window. There's like a thing, like yeah. Just find a mini so, on yeah, your neck. It's oh. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. No, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a. I mean, that's an excellent um, point about um, yeah. It's essentially expanding your social circles and social horizons. Definitely, um, that you know, it's a it's a people with a shared interest. So you've already sort of have something to connect mm -hmm. with them with, which is really. It's really, really, it's really cute, really kind of special, you know, when that happened. Um, sparks flying. Um, and your your husband's also uh, um, is a gamer as well. Uh, how did you, did you two meet through uh, um, through games, or how did you meet? No, we met at uni. Um, literally, uh, we lived in the same uh, dorm building, mm -hmm. and um, so yes, we've been together since we were eighteen which is mad. Um, oh, no, that's hecking so cute. So he... Yeah, it's been a really long time. So he actually didn't play for years. So I was playing... Um, I would go uh, to the county house by bank and we would mm. play, you know, with that one meetup group for a long time. And uh, he wasn't playing, but he was, you know, doing his very financy, computery jobs and, and um, being very serious all the time. And... <laughs> I finally talked him into starting to play uh, once we got to fifth edition. Like right. he's never tried fourth edition, so he had tried back in the eighties. Basically, he played then. Yeah. And they used to, from what I hear, do like all weekend long kind of sessions all the time. You know, a whole bunch of teenage boys like locked in a room kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So very Stranger Things, basically. Of course. Is how he started off playing, and then he had not played again until fifth edition but but now he's playing and he started playing in the dragon bane ones too so he's he's really quite getting into it now he's not huge on like the character role play part so he's he's a little bit more hack and slash than i am but but he's uh he's having fun he is playing a duck in that one game so i figured if you can play a duck then you can play anything <laughs> duck tails <laughs> sounds good yes 
I I know it, it looks it the, it does remind me of DuckTales, except much more likely to die. Much more likely to quack. Sorry, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Finally, it uh, comes down to our random uh, question chart. So, do you, do you have okay. a D twenty to hand? I always have a D twenty to hand. I have my little treasure box of D twenties here. Ooh! Oh, I love it. Um, yes. See, I, I I said I make things, right? Yeah. This is a plastic box that I made into something crazy. All right. Wow. D20. Uh, How did you make that effect uh, on the the texture on the box? Glue gun. Of course it is. I can make anything with a glue gun. Of course. You just basically just put the glue, just just did patterns on on top of the box and then just let it dry. Yeah, and I, for a while there, I was was making um, magic wands and selling them on Etsy. uh, Ah. Just for fun, more than anything. It wasn't like Oh, I have a magic wand. Hold on. <laughs> okay. So here's a magic wand. I don't know if you can see it. Yes, you can see it. Very nice, lovely. So, Is that a snake yeah, around so, it or so I make, a branch? Uh, well, this one was sort of um, color-wise, if you think of it like a Neptune type of thing. So I do imagine it's sort of like a sea eel or something. Uh, but anyway... Um, I just like to make stuff. So I knit, I paint, I make things with glue guns. All right, I have a dice. You and my other half are definitely going to get so on. So I'm just, <laughs> just rolling. Uh, yes, yeah. just roll it and tell me what you yeah. get. Yeah. I even make my own soap. So I'm making. I got a 15. Uh, number 15. You meet in a tavern. What are you drinking? Oh. Uh, I would be drinking something that had been foraged because I make my own umeshu and slow gin so something ah, we'll just go with like slow gin because it's such a very English thing to go pick the berries every year and make it so yes I would be drinking something homemade like that that is incredibly middle class English yes <laughs> I've made my yes. own slow oh, gin but I have the, the next time if you're ever at Simon's and I come I will bring a bottle I have a bottle now that's really good and it's called a walk in the woods because we literally went on a ramble and I just picked random things while we were walking and I made some infused gin out of it. So it's got blackberries and slowberries and damson plum and a bunch of other crab apples and random things that I found on that walk. So it'll never taste the same again because it was just what I found that day. Right, random. But it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm trying to drink it very slowly because it came out really well. That's very intriguing. Uh, Okay, I look forward to that then. And uh, presumably, um, because you are are, uh, a a, um, DIY kind of uh, crafter, um, with your um, uh, your slow gin or what have you, would you bring your own? Would you bring your own glass? Would you bring your own um, tankard or or whatnot that you'd made yourself to the pub? Or would you have your regular? Your, your, you have your own special mug that sits there in inside the tavern. Oh, if it was a tavern regular, and if we're talking like standard fantasy world, then make a drinking horn, 
Um, except the worst thing about drinking horns is you have to have like a stand for them or else they just fall over. It's true. Um, I, I bought one that's uh, at the Download Festival. Here it is. Just a little one. Da, 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 da. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. No, I firmly believe that life is too short to use boring glassware. So I do actually have a collection of like antique glassware. Ooh. Uh, very funny shapes and colors. Um, but I will also drink out of weird random things too. So um, yeah, no, I would definitely have some kind of funny glass in the tavern. Excellent. Sprig of mint on top. Sprig of mint. Oh, I love it. That's a, a lovely little uh, a garnish, a little <laughs> finish for it. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. All right. I think well, I like my grumpful because it's green. You know. Grumpful plus plus slow gin and mint. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Bring your own cake into the tavern yeah. with you. Oh no! It'd be it, you, the grumpful <laughs> cake would be in like one of those. Um, it'd be, be on one of those cake stands with the glass top, um, so that you know yeah. it just sits there on the edge of the bar Absolutely. and people can help themselves to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, but this I tavern now needs to be regular that the bartender would not. Yes, the t- the bartender would not mind because. I come all the time, and I bring him cake too. Excellent. Right, next um, uh, next campaign setting or, or adventure that you write that has a tavern, you've got to put in a character that that has the. You've got to put in this grumpful cake on the bar, uh, and the regular patron oh, yeah. with a no, slogan. I do actually, yeah, I want to write that in somewhere. Though so, so I do have a tavern that's got a spicy stew challenge, and I have to say, it is hilarious every time I run that session that that has it people really get into trying the spicy stew and seeing what happens to them after they do it. The classics. The classic kind of tavern encounter. <laughs> Can you stomach the food or the drink? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much. Um, that's that, that's everything uh, uh, for our for our chat today. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to uh, to come and chat. And it's been great to, to get to know you better as well as um, your know, entire sort of TTRPG journey. But you've also been very good at teasing. I, I'm not going to say marketing, but definitely teasing um, stuff that you've got um, oh. coming next, <laughs> uh, which is which is very exciting no, I as think well. Because I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with it, so it's <laughs> sort of on the top of my head all of the time. Um, and I ran a game last night actually testing, so it is like very there. But I do want to play with you sometime because, like I said, my son Max has played with you, and he really really enjoyed that game. Oh, I good. Think he was fairly quiet when he was playing, but he came off from that and he's like, "When can I play with them again?" <laughs> Which was really so. Um, oh, that's great. So I, I definitely want to do that. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of A Slice and Dice. If you've enjoyed what you've seen, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We really do appreciate your support. And of course, if you'd like to get involved in any future interviews, whether that's being a guest yourself or suggesting uh, some options for our random question chart, join us on our Discord server. There should be a link to that down below.